Support for Need to Know comes from the Carnegie Corporation of New York, supporting innovations in education, democratic engagement, and the advancement of international peace and security. Learn more at Carnegie.org. Welcome to the Need to Know podcast from the Wilson Center, a podcast for policymakers available to everyone. Always informative, nonpartisan, and relevant, we go beyond the headlines to understand the trend lines in foreign policy. Welcome back, everyone, to the Need to Know podcast. This is Aaron, your host, and I'm here with the Deputy Director of the Latin American Program at the Wilson Center, Ben Gadan. Ben, it's good to have you back on the podcast. My pleasure. Thanks for the invitation. So I wanted to talk to you because you recently wrote, uh, co-wrote actually, a article with Richard Feinberg that appeared in Foreign Policy magazine, Latin America's leftists aren't what you think. And this really uh, was very, struck me as very interesting. I think the casual observer looking at Latin American politics will see, uh, well, the classic examples of Hugo Chavez and Maduro and Castro, even recent examples with AMLO in Mexico. And they'll think, ah, uh, Latin America's leftists, it's, they're, they're constantly winning. Uh, but you take a different view of this. And I was curious, and I think that our audience would be curious to hear a bit more about that. So why don't you give us a little bit of an overview? Thanks so much. Yeah, I mean, the reason Richard and I wrote this piece is, you know, there's a palpable sense of doom in parts of Washington right now. Um, those who are casually observing Latin American politics have seen leftists winning a string of elections. And depending on their age, it evokes either these sort of nightmarish memories of uh, Fidel Castro in the early days of Che Guevara, of the Cuban Missile Crisis and, and close links between the Latin American left and the Soviet Union, or for some younger observers of Latin America, maybe the uh, leaders in the late 90s and the early 2000s like Hugo Chavez in Venezuela and others with extreme anti-American, anti-imperialist views hostile to the private sector, um, nationalizing companies and picking fights with the United States um, in multinational venues across the world. And, you know, that kind of reaction uh, in some ways can be really problematic for U.S. policy toward Latin America, because if you don't distinguish among the various types of leftists in the region, um, you can conform to the stereotype of the United States as ideologically driven, um, captive to conservative private sector interests, um, and you miss opportunities to build bridges and form policy alliances with a very progressive, moderate Latin American left that does exist and, in fact, is maybe the more common left that we're seeing these days. Well, that's always an important point to make, that there's not always this one-to-one correlation in the party dynamics when you're looking and comparing American politics to the politics of another country. And so that certainly stands to be true in Latin America as well. You're the expert on this, though. Uh, what would be the corollary if you're kind of looking and trying to compare Latin American politics to American politics, left, right, center? What would the corollary be? And the first thing I would say, and we make this argument in our foreign policy piece, is that it's not actually clear that leftist views are now dominating in Latin America. So the first thing I think I should point out is what you have in Latin America as elsewhere is a lot of angry voters taking out their anger on incumbents. And so in a lot of places in Latin America, the incumbents were center right or, or right wing figures. 
years. So they're losing and their leftist alternatives are being brought into power. And it gives the impression of an ideological shift throughout the Western Hemisphere that may not actually be taking place. And there's some evidence it's not, for example. Um, in Mexico, you mentioned the leftist president uh, known as AMLO, President Lopez Obrador. But in the midterm elections recently, his party did not perform very well. The same thing occurred in Argentina. It's governed by a leftist populist, Alberto Fernandez. Um, the Peronists did not do well in the last election in Argentina. So I think there are examples, you know, Ecuador right now recently elected a conservative president. So the first thing I would say is let's make sure that we're correctly diagnosing even this political trend in the region. But the second thing I'd say, Aaron, is exactly what you've pointed out, which is there is a kind of leftist progressive social democrat in Latin America who is very different than the kind of Marxist, anti-imperialist authoritarians that we often think of in Washington. So if your view of leftists in Latin America is dominated by images of Fidel Castro or Hugo Chavez, you will not even recognize someone like the president-elect of Chile, a man named Gabriel Boric, much less focused on the issues we think of of class warfare um, and international solidarity among the anti-imperialist left, much more focused on items that would be very comfortable on the platform of a centrist Democrat like Joe Biden, environmental issues, human rights issues, LGBT rights, um, you know, fighting climate change, these kinds of issues, as well as broad, you know, social justice considerations, fighting income inequality, issues, again, that I think would fit very comfortably in the center-left conversation in the United States. Well, that's interesting, because you, you mentioned that there's some common ground that the Biden administration would have with recently elected leaders in Latin America, uh, but there's also this anti-incumbent strain, which we've seen a bit of as well sometimes in our own politics. But then you also mentioned that word populism, which is a dynamic that we have seen almost the world over and certainly in our own politics. And populism doesn't always line up perfectly with a left or a right strategy, regardless of what country you're in. And sometimes populism forces parties to take positions that are sometimes radically different than positions that they traditionally espoused. So it, we've certainly seen that within our own politics. So how is that dynamic shaking out in Latin America with their populism? I think you make an important point, Aaron, which is to say that there are values the United States seeks to project in Latin America, um, economic growth and prosperity, the defense of democracy and human rights, good relations between the United States and the region. And a lot of these don't line up neatly with, with political ideology and a populist on the right or the left can undermine the relationship with the United States and the pursuit of U.S. values equally. I mean, if you look right now in Brazil, the far-right president of Brazil, who's a populist figure known as Jair Bolsonaro, has had an awful environmental policy, a bad human rights policy, and has a very distant relationship with the United States. He actually just visited with Vladimir Putin in Moscow on the eve of a potential invasion of Ukraine. Um, that is not a figure that the Biden administration works very well with. His likely successor is a former president known as Lula, who's a centrist leftist, who had a very close relationship with the Obama administration when Joe Biden was vice president. And although he's on the left, would probably be a much better partner for the United States than the current conservative president. Um, the U.S. government, even under you know Republican administrations, got along very well, for example, with the Frente Amplio coalition in Uruguay, a coalition that included the communists, like the next government of Chile will include, but was mostly pragmatic, you know, you know moderate center left. 
that shared U.S. values broadly and was a very good partner. So I think the kind of cliche that the United States is poorly served anytime someone who's a center left progressive is elected anywhere in the world. It's just not true. And I think, you know, history doesn't bear that out. And it's important for people who make policy in the United States to recognize that we can get along very well with progressives, just like we get along with those on the center right in the region. So what I'm taking from this conversation is that the Castros and the Maduros, the Chavez is that type of politics is somewhat the outlier in Latin America. When in fact, if we really take a look at things, there are plenty of opportunities and common ground areas for the United States and these Latin American countries to work together. Am I, am I reading that right? Yeah, so we'll see. There's also a big presidential election coming up in Colombia. One of the candidates on the left might bring in a set of policies that are not favorable to the relationship with the United States or the economic development of Colombia. I don't want to give an unrealistic, overly rosy view. You know, the leadership is still problematic in lots of parts of the region, you know, regardless of ideology. But I think what you said is absolutely correct. The sort of really problematic left in Latin America, the Chavista type um, dictatorships that you have in Nicaragua, in Cuba and Venezuela, they have no influence right now. Their economies have collapsed. They're pariah states. They're internationally isolated. They're subject to European and U.S. sanctions. They don't have any kind of, you know, Cold War era romanticism to their fights against the gringos or against imperialists. You know, they're a spent force with bizarre Marxist rhetoric. Um, that doesn't serve their own people and they don't have the resources that, for example, Venezuela once had to spread around the region and to increase the influence and create coalitions against the United States. So the, the more ascended left in the region, generally speaking, is a much more pragmatic left um, that addresses, I think, issues that are really important to the United States. You know, the kinds of issues like income inequality, um, you know, ineffective public services that are not acceptable to big parts of the population that have left Latin America unstable politically, caused repeated bouts of public unrest and, and even violence in many cases, um, left a lot of uncertainty for investors from the United States, um, you know, addressing issues that if they're not addressed, we won't have the kind of support we need for the democratic institutions that we work very hard to help Latin America build. So, you know, I see nothing but opportunity for the United States in many of these cases, again, assuming that we seize these opportunities and that we don't reflexively react negatively or are standoffish because we worry that someone broadly categorized as on the left is necessarily antithetical to U.S. interests. Well, I was, as we head to wrap up here, you mentioned several elections that are either upcoming or recently taking place, Brazil, Colombia, Chile, and Obviously, those are of great interest in, and all that. I wonder, you know, what space are you watching right now as developments unfold? What are the things that you're really watching for? Yeah, the elections in Colombia and Brazil are monumentally important. These are some of the biggest economies in the hemisphere. Uh, and so, you know, how those elections turn out will have a big impact on the economic recovery of the region post-pandemic, on U.S. influence and relationships in Latin America. So certainly I would observe those. But more than what you should observe is how we should be engaged. I, mean, I think there's a lot of anxiety and skepticism right now that, you know, China is outpacing and elbowing out the United States and Latin America, or that leftists are winning and so the United States will be further disadvantaged 
in its influence in the Western hemisphere, um, I would say don't sit back and be anxious about these trends. Engage. Leaders like the president-elect of Chile, the likely next president of Brazil, we'll see how that election turns out, are potentially great partners. The current president of Ecuador, the current president of Uruguay, both seeking free trade agreements with the United States. The new president of Honduras comes from the left, replaces someone who is now um, poised to be extradited to the United States, a conservative allegedly involved in drug trafficking. So ideology is not the correct prism right now to view Latin America. We need to just look for partners who share our values and we need to be really engaging with them to make sure they succeed. Well, Ben, those are great points. Always happy to have you on. And I should also mention that you are a fellow podcaster at the Wilson Center. You run your own podcast called Plaza Central. So make sure everyone checks that out. It's a podcast from the Latin America program that Ben hosts. And also you might want to check out America's 360, which is another podcast that comes uh, from the Latin America program, but also includes input from our Mexico Institute and Canada programs as well. So check those out. And Ben, always happy to talk to you and we'll see you soon. Likewise. Likewise.